Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. I don't get it. Why do people like the Beatitudes? I mean, really. Uh, it, it's a fairly common answer to, like, what's your favorite scripture? Why would anyone choose this as their favorite scripture? Although it, it sounds lovely to be blessed, but look, look at this. Look at what you, uh, what you have to go through to be blessed, apparently. You have to be persecuted and reviled. You have to be poor in spirit. I mean, it's the list just goes on and on and on. I wonder if, if when you see a bumper sticker on a car that says, God bless America, like, what are we wishing on America? <laughs> so, let's think for a moment about what in the world this means. I think that a great way of thinking about blessing is that we, we bless things that we suspect God may show up in. So we're giving thanks to God for this thing, this person, this event, this building, in which an opportunity is provided for God to show up. So, you know, we bless marriages because it's our theology that, that the reason marriage is so sacred is that it is, uh, it is the way, it, one of the major ways that God can show up. I mean, where else can you be so vulnerable and learn about love that uh, has no bounds? We bless buildings like churches because, well, one would hope God would show up here from time to time. Um, we, we bless events in which people especially are, are talking about difficult things and dealing with one another and the complexity of humankind. I'm not sure why we bless the hounds, you know, the fox and hounds and all of that. I think maybe it was just a habit we got into of blessing almost anything that walked. But then again, God can show up in an infinite number of ways. And so blessing, uh, in fact, uh, seems right. And we will bless these children who are being baptized because we certainly hope and pray that God will show up in their lives and so we bless them. This is a very nice version 
of the Beatitudes. But there is another version in Scripture. Um, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, there is a, a much more harsh set of these same blessings. So, in fact, uh, the, uh, the one we read today comes from uh, Matthew's Gospel in the section that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. So, that section of Luke, where the other one comes, is known as the Sermon on the Plain. He's just kind of sitting in the valley as opposed to on the mount. And there, instead of hungering and thirst for righteousness' sake, it's just plain old hunger. Like, just hungry. It, there's nothing to, to pretty it up. You're not reviled for righteousness' sake. You're just reviled. So why in the world are these called blessings? Well, I think the, the fact of the matter is, is that when we are at our most vulnerable, or when we are in the most pain, or when we are in the most danger, and we are up against it, God has a has a way in. And I think, you know, early on in, uh, after my election and consecration, um, which, by the way, 20 years ago on All Saints Sunday, I was uh, consecrated a bishop. But on the day of my election, before I got home that day, I already had my first death threat. And I had daily death threats for, I don't know, two and a half years. Uh, which gets your attention R real quick. We lived in a, uh, a wood and glass house out in the woods, and it was around the same time that an abortion doctor, I think it was in Syracuse, was shot through his kitchen window. And we had to have the discussion about, do we go out and buy, go to Target and buy a bunch of sheets and just cover all the windows? We could have been shot in almost any room of our house. And I wore a bulletproof vest for my consecration. And we had made preparations that if a bomb went off or I was shot, if I was still alive, three bishops had been told to go to a particular room, and the guy standing next to me who looked like one of your deacons was actually um, had all kinds of armament. I don't think he had a bazooka under his vestments, but pretty much everything else. And his job was to, if I was still alive, get me to that room and we had a photographer ready to go so that if I was still alive they could lay hands on me make me a bishop and we'd have a photograph to prove it do you think I felt really 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 close to God about that time you better believe it and for the next 10 years being the bishop of New Hampshire I could not have done it had God not shown up on a regular 
basis. So you have these terrible experiences that make you really vulnerable and it turns out to be a blessing because you get to know God better. The media used to always ask me, you know, if you had it to do over again, would you do it? And I said, of course I would do it. I've, I've gotten to know God more intimately. I'm like, it doesn't get any better than that. Of course I would do it over again. So on the one hand, you know, you dread being in any of those situations. And, and believe me, you don't have to plan them. They, ju they just keep coming, don't they? Times when we feel vulnerable. But, but you also, you can come to give thanks for them. And in that case, it turns out to be a blessing. In Alcoholics Anonymous, there's a fantastic definition of humility. It's not about, you know, uh, uh, denying that you are gifted in some way or, or you, you know, making yourself somebody's uh, uh, doormat. That humility is being right-sized. Being right-sized. That is to see myself in relation, in, into a real relation to everything around me. So that I don't, I don't think of myself as better than everything around me, but I also don't think of myself as less than everyone around me. Being right-sized, when we know our need of God, we're moving towards being right-sized. And I think to be in need and to have God show up, to be literally drawn into the heart of God, is, is a blessing whenever and however it happens. I, it also happens, by the way, when you work with people who are in a vulnerable situation. Someone uh, who's in prison, someone who is terribly ill, uh, someone uh, who is under attack, someone, someone who is vulnerable for some good reason, and you work with them, you advocate for them, you, you stand up for them in places where they're not welcome, and, and you'll know your need of God too, related to them. In my diocese of New Hampshire, we actually don't have a cathedral. We're about one of 12 dioceses that don't have cathedrals. But if you have a cathedral, the bishop is usually expected to do Christmas Eve and Christmas at the cathedral. Uh, and we had, a, we had a parish that sort of served as our cathedral. But I got invited to the state women's prison in New Hampshire. And I got to know those women, and I decided that, that a, the bishop ought not to be in a cathedral. It, he ought to be in, in the prison where the women are. 
And so it began, I spent every Christmas Eve that I was the bishop of New Hampshire with the women of the New Hampshire State Women's Prison on Christmas Eve. And let me tell you, when those women pray on Christmas Eve, you will learn what prayer is, like what it really is. Some of those women didn't know where their children were that night or who was taking care of them. They didn't know when they would see them again. They didn't, they didn't know how they could continue to have contact with them without contact. And so, it, so when we talked about Mary feeling real vulnerable in a stable in Palestine, you can bet they identified and when we prayed, and they prayed for their children, we all cried. We all cried. And I never left that Christmas Eve service that I didn't think I was the one who benefited. I was the one who benefited. It was a complete blessing. So, I guess what I'm saying and, and I want to say it in particular to the parents and the sponsors of the, of the baptismal candidates. Your job is, is to teach these children to look for God wherever they are. Because God will be there. The question is, will these children begin to learn to know it? And the bad news for you is you're not going to be able to help them with that unless you're seeing God in your life, the opportunity to know a bit more about God. And the chances are pretty good that you'll do most of that learning when the times are tough, when you're up against it, and when you're truly vulnerable. So we're going to be asking those of you who are sponsors and parents and the entire congregation, will you support their life in Christ? And part of supporting their life in Christ is to teach them that when something difficult happens, it's not all bad. And there may be something to learn there, something really lasting and good. But in order to mentor them, you'll have to do your own work as well. So there are more people involved here in these promises than just these children. I don't wish bad things for your children, but I do pray that when difficult things happen to them, you will help them see that God is not also there, but especially there. And it will be a blessing to them, no matter what. As you and these children are literally drawn into the heart of God. May it be so. Amen.